Welcome to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host, and Steve Vaughn with me today on this edition. Steve, welcome. Good to have you here. Well, thank you. It's all. It's good to be anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be here. One of the things that we keep an eye out for is what we call the backstories in history. We've done that with America and God's Providence, bringing out the backstories of Fuchida, the lieutenant colonel that brought about the attack on Pearl Harbor and his salvation and subsequent work as an evangelist in Japan in the 1950s. We've talked about Nathan Bedford Forrest, an early leader of the Ku Klux Klan who becomes a Christian towards the end of his life. We, we have outlined some of the most amazing stories. Jeffrey Dahmer, of course. Uh, I interviewed the pastor who baptized Jeffrey Dahmer on this radio program. And I came across the Aquila Report this week as I was doing research for the Worldview in five minutes and came across, again, this most obscure blog for, quote, conservative Orthodox evangelicals in the Reformed Presbyterian family of churches. All right. So I would say a fairly obscure source. Okay. And I I didn't see anything on Christian Post, didn't see anything in World Magazine, but came across this rather obscure blog. And the headline was, A Tribute to Raquel Welch's Life and Testimony, A Wonderful Lady and a Fine Christian. And I got to thinking, Raquel Welch. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, who, I don't remember that? her Would that, that be, way. You know, some, <laughs> you know, widow who washed the saints' feet for 56 years or whatever, you know, who is this tribute to? And sure enough, it's the Raquel Welch of the 1960s, 1970s fame, of which I'm sure you're familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember seeing her in a few movies. I you know, I don't remember a whole lot of them. I don't remember her a lot, but I do remember what she was representative of in the 70s anyway when I was a kid. She was the bombshell. She represented the sexual revolution of the 1960s and 70s. Almost more so than anybody else as a female star. Now she just passed away at 82 years of age. She was a faithful member of Calvary Presbyterian Church, a PCA church in Glendale, California. From what I understand from the, the search research that I've done, uh, she was there for about 20 years. She wrote an autobiographical book in 2010 describing how she found a small church on the way to Pasadena where the pastor and congregation, quote, were very devout and really knew their scripture. Quote, I had come here because I'd heard the pastor speak on the radio. Okay, so that's the little bit of the testimony that I was able to pull off based on the research that I did. I got to thinking of the story of the woman at the well, because here is the definitive sex symbol of the 1960s and 70s, her life dotted with divorces until 2003. I mean, it's a tough life. No question in my mind. It's, it's a tough life. But by God's grace, she comes into this church. She's a faithful member of this PCA church in Glendale, California, from what I understand, um, referenced in this uh, Aquila report for the Reformed and Presbyterian family of churches, which is by far on the conservative side of American evangelical churches. And I got to thinking of John 4, the woman at the well. You know, Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, I have no husband. (laughs) And Jesus said, you got that right. You have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. 
Well, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. So there it is. That's the testimony of Jesus to the woman at the well. And then she runs back and calls all her friends and leaders of the Samaritan community to come out and uh, meet Jesus, the Messiah. You know, she believes in him right there and then. So here, you know, we have a story, and I think we we need to recognize the sorts of things that Jesus does in history. Now, I'm not here to say who's going to be in heaven, who's not going to be in heaven. That's my not my job. But on the basis of testimonies that we hear, we, we, we see that there is an impact that Jesus is making upon lives, and we're finding more and more of the backstories of history. Now, back in the 1960s, Raquel Welch led the sexual revolution. She was the essence of that which is glamorous, worldly, sexually loose and perverted. She was the bombshell. And in, in, in 1970, I don't think you want to recommend any of the movies she was in the 1960s. <laughs> no. I mean, I did not bother, you know, clicking on any of the 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 movies that it was just you know you'd see these titles and maybe a picture or two and you're thinking uh no that's not for me okay so that's that's the sort of movies that she's in i don't know what the ratings were but i'm just saying you weren't going to watch if if you're you know a godly young man who or older man like the rest of us yeah. <laughs> who doesn't want to pervert themselves or subject themselves to any kind of sexual temptation you just you just don't want to watch these movies but here's the deal. 1970, Raquel Welch acted the part of a transsexual in one of the most revolutionary movies ever. It was an X-rated movie. And really, she led the sexual revolution to bring transsexuality to the forefront. Mae West came out of retirement to help with one of the most outrageously horrible films in all of history. So I'm just saying this is what she was. This is what she was doing to the point that Loretta Lynn included Raquel Welch in the Sexual Revolution song of 1974, One's on the Way. I'm glad that Raquel Welch just signed a million-dollar pact. Debbie's out in Vegas working up a brand-new act, while the TV show in Newlyweds is a real fun game to play. But here in Topeka, the screen doors are banking. The coffee's a boiling. The wash needs a hang, and one wants a cookie, and one wants a change, and one's on the way. Now, this is kind of this whining song about having children and not really loving your children, kind of a song that Loretta Lynn comes out with in 1974. The girls in New York City, they all march for women's lib. Better homes and gardens show a better way to live. And the pill may change the world tomorrow, but meanwhile today, here in Topeka, the rains have fallen, dogs are barking, food floor needs a scrubbing, one's a toddling, one's a crawling, and one's on the way. Wine, wine, and wine some more. You know, she does another song on the pill because it's all about not having children and all about, you know, having sexual fun and not taking responsibility for it and, you know, basically living the self-centered lifestyle that has utterly destroyed our society. Well, that that's the sort of thing that Raquel Welch and et al. were, were you know, championing. Back in the 1960s and 1970s, it was feminism, it was transsexuality, it was titillation, it was soft pornography, it went on into pornography. I mean, it was that, that was the 1960s and 1970s, and Raquel Welch was right smack in the middle of the whole thing. So, but then, you know, she's cruising down the highway, the Pasadena Highway picks up a radio program and listens to a pastor 
who knows his scripture well, and she says, I want to go there, and I want to hear the scriptures. (laughs) Wow. There is a God. There is a Holy Spirit. There is the redemption of Jesus Christ working. There is the robbing of the strong man's house. This is a beautiful thing, Steve. Yeah. And from what I I was reading up on a couple other places, it said that uh, she didn't like being in the limelight. And she knew that she was famous in the church, but she didn't act that way. She sat down and spoke with people, told them, you know, helped them. She helped with uh, some of the business aspects of the church, giving them some uh, some uh, counsel and stuff like that. But she took time to just sit down and, and be with people and to try to... Uh, you know, encourage them and do all the one another skills. And she tried to, you know, sort of take a back seat of her fame, but wanted to exalt Christ the whole time. And I mean, that just, that just amazes me how much God can change people. And I want to talk about Steve McQueen, the salvation of an American icon. My wife and I watched the film, the documentary film on Steve McQueen, and his salvation story, wow, just wow. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations broadcast. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains, to provide quality time for you to connect with your son. Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there, and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event, so go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we are back on Generations Review, what Jesus does in history. You know, the devil's doing stuff in the world is passing away with us lust thereof, but he who does the will of God abides forever. That's really the story of what is going on in America today. And I keep coming back to that theme from 1 John chapter 2. Steve McQueen, another example of this. As I mentioned, my wife and I watched the documentary film, The Salvation of American Icon, Steve McQueen. But you got to understand, Steve McQueen was the bad boy of the Mm -hmm. 1960s. He was the king of cool. That's the way he was referred to, but he was cool because he was a bad boy. Let's just say it. Yeah. In 1963, he starred in a movie, Love with a Proper Stranger, a gritty film involving sexual sin and abortion, again, leading the sexual revolution of the 1960s and 1970s. There he was, 1963, at the very outset. This is... Well, before the Beatles are doing it in the road and all the rest, this is Steve McQueen involved in the sexual revolution in the 1960s, 1970s. And by 1979, Steve McQueen is the highest paid actor for the, in the world. 
He was paid $66 million in today's money for Towering Inferno, for his acting part in Towering Inferno. He was the essence of cool. He was the highest paid actor. Like Raquel Welch was pretty much the top paid uh, bombshell of the 1960s and 1970s. Steve McQueen, the cool, the the highest paid actor of the 1970s. But uh, he he's eventually, you know, approached by, I think it was a stuntman first, who had become a Christian and said, you know, I'm a born-again Christian. Steve, how are you doing? And And Steve internalized that conversation. That was important to him. Later on, his pastor asked him, Steve, I have one question for you. Steve cut in and said, you want to know if I'm a born-again Christian? The pastor said, yes, Steve, that's all that really matters to me. After a moment of contemplation, McQueen replied, yes. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when you asked everyone to bow their heads? I accepted Jesus Christ. So that's Steve McQueen. In June of 1979, a columnist published that McQueen had become a born-again Christian. McQueen attended his local church, Ventura Missionary Church, in Southern California, is visited by evangelist Billy Graham, who, by the way, gave him a copy of his Bible. It was towards the end of his life, and he didn't have a copy of his Bible on him. And he was on his way to the hospital. He said, I need a Bible. Billy Graham reached for his Bible and handed it to Steve McQueen. At the end of his life, also interesting story, I found this on another website. He called up Yule Brenner and apologized for his behavior in The Great Escape and thanked him for letting him continue on the set because he was apparently just being obnoxious, which Steve apparently had the ability to do that sort of thing. Anyway, these are the sorts of stories that we're getting. Put these things together, Steve, just for a moment. Steve McQueen, Raquel Welch, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, pretty much at the top of his game in the 1970s, early 1970s. He's got his own television show on NBC. Not many were able to pull that feat off. Certainly no country singer was as popular. Not very many pop singers had as much play in the national entertainment scene as Johnny Cash did. But uh, Raquel Welch, Johnny Cash, Steve McQueen, and Jeffrey Dahmer. And have, imagine Raquel <laughs> Welch and Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven together, sitting on the front row you know, and worshiping Jesus in heaven. <laughs> Something yeah. going on here. Something going on here, Steve. Yeah. And and I I mean many other names just keep popping into my head. Jeff Pollard, who was the lead guitarist, lead singer of Louisiana LaRue, came to Christ. And then he uh, what they were on tour with a band called Kansas, which you probably remember Kansas. He he led Carrie Livgren, uh, the lead guitarist and leader of the group Kansas who is now a you know born again Christian who led his bass player Dave Hope to Christ and and so some of these bands who are at the top of their game all of a sudden Jesus saves them and they leave that industry like Jeff Pollard did or they change the industry like Carrie Livgren and Dave Hope did and just start dedicating all their music to Jesus Christ and and trying to spread the gospel and you know they they'll stop in their concerts and preach the gospel in the middle of a concert and say, this is what matters. You know, don't think of me as anybody. This is what matters that you come to Christ. And Jesus is saving everybody, you know, anybody. He can save anybody that he wants to, and the devil can't do anything about it. That's it. That, I think, is the lesson learned. That's the great takeaway from this. Not not to say we're out to say who was the faithful church member, 
how do we know by their fruits ye shall know them, etc. But the bottom line here, as I review history and see these stories of people like Colonel Fuchida or Jeffrey Dahmer, Johnny Cash, Steve McQueen, Raquel Welch, Jesus is going to save whomever he wants to save, and the devil can't do anything about that, right? Because the devil keeps his goods, you know, guarded, well guarded, but somebody stronger than he must come in and rob the strong man's house, and that's Jesus, and he's doing it, and he's been doing it for 2,000 years, praise God. I think it's remarkable these were the stars, these were Satan's trophies, Uh, they were key in the drug scene. They led the way for the sexual revolution, or at least the big Hollywood push in the sexual revolution in the 1960s and 1970s. And when it comes to the pop culture machine of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, Satan was the handler. Okay, Don't get the idea that it was all these other handlers. And yes, these other handlers were involved. But Satan was the handler. But Jesus robs the strongman's house again and again. There was a lot of damage done by the sexual revolution. I mean, damage done to the stars and damage done to those that were dragged into it or willingly participated in it by the tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions in the 1960s, 1970s. A lot of damage done by the sexual revolution. But here's the deal. There's always room in the church for more refugees. (laughs) Amen. That's the takeaway. There's always more room in the church for more refugees of the sexual revolution, whether it be those who come out of the pop music scene, whether it comes out of the movie sets, whatever it is, uh, this is instructive. Now, let me just throw this out as well. We have a few minutes left, Steve. Let's say Raquel Welch comes to your church. Okay. Raquel Welch comes to your church. What are you going to do with the sex symbol stuff of the 1970s? You follow me here? I mean, let's say she's a sister in Christ. Now, you cannot view her in both ways. You follow me? You cannot view that sister in Christ as some sex symbol and as a sister in Christ. I'm just trying to be plain in terms of my speaking here because I, I think you know, there are there are young men that struggle with this issue. And there are young men in the churches that struggle with this issue. You can't have the world and Christ. You have to get rid of one of them. On the one hand, as a Christian, you cannot objectify women. You, you cannot objectify your sisters in Christ, and you cannot objectify women on the screens. So, now she's going to have to change as one who now follows Jesus. But so are those who watch the movies, you know, or participate yeah. in the culture that objectifies or plays loosely with sexual themes or watches R-rated movies for titillation value. You know, it's interesting. A friend of mine sat next to a star, a movie star who made bad films, like really bad films on a flight into California. But what what you've got to remember, you got, you got to be sure that you are rooted in truth. You are the light of the world. And you turn on the lights, and what happens to darkness? The darkness flees. But we got to remember, these are not stars. These are human beings made in the image of God. And it's interesting also, my wife saw some movie star in Las Vegas one time. She said, she looks so short. (laughs) (laughs) She's really short. Meaning, they really are remarkably small people. They're not gods. 
I think that's one of the big surprising elements of seeing some movie stars, you know, in, in public. People say, oh, they just look so short. They, look like, I, they almost look like human beings. Yeah. Well, that's because they are, you know, <laughs> they are human beings. Uh, the star system is so fake. It's so dehumanizing. And the gods are meant to disappoint. They're flawed gods. They're supposed to be flawed gods. So the way Augustine described the gods, they're always flawed, whether they be the Greek gods or the gods of sports and entertainment. The gods are meant to be unreal creatures worked by handlers as a product, a sort of money-generating commodity. And that's the way it works in the star system. But, you know, we don't agree with any of that. We just say, "Uh uh-uh, there are no stars. There are no stars. No, uh uh-uh, there aren't any. These are human beings made in the image of God. These are people with eternal souls, and they need salvation. They need Jesus. And, and, and by the way, these systems are crashing down. The facades are coming down. The cheap towers of Babel are going. Sports idols, entertainment idols, financial idols, political idols, they all come down. But let me, say, let me just say one last thing before I'm done with this program. Uh, it's interesting that we do get pretty excited over conversions, and we have to be a little bit cautious. What's, what's encouraging about the Raquel Welch story is that she was a faithful member of the church for some 20 years meaning she didn't have some loose testimony about Jesus or about God, which is what you often get with some of these conservative Christian news sites. You know, yeah, they all believe in God. Well, they, they may not. They may not actually have a life that demonstrates. They may not have a faithful walk such that they are uh, members of a godly church and held in accountable relationship with that church over a period of years. Christian news sites got pretty excited about Kanye West. You know, he took number one position on Billboard's year-end charts for Christian music last year. He won Song of the Year in the Dove Awards in 2020. So everybody's so excited about him, but then now everybody's backing away from him. <laughs> you know, they don't want anything to do with him. Why? Because, you know, he's got these controversial comments on Adolf Hitler. He told Alex Jones, I see good things about Hitler. I like Hitler. Quote unquote. You know, at that point, everybody's going, oh, you know, hey, we're pulling back. <laughs> but, you know, they get all excited about some of these conversions. Same thing happened with the Kansas City quarterback. You remember the Kansas City quarterback? He had something of a profession of faith, but he never really referred to Jesus. It was just some sort of, I don't know, vague comments about God. And, and then, you know, after World Magazine does this spread on the Kansas City quarterback and the other quarterback, I think it was both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Patrick Mahomes. Um, World Magazine report about these guys both being professing Christians, and then you know you see the Kansas City guy uh, getting drunk in public, and it was sort of an embarrassing situation. And news sites are still talking about this, but the point is that we want to be sure that um, we've got a profession of faith that matters, a solid profession. He's a member in good standing in an Orthodox Evangelical Christian church, has not been excommunicated. Just some fruit bearing, some fruits of repentance, especially if we're going looking to these as quote unquote religious leaders and we're bringing them into our churches and they're supposed to be these role models for our Christian kids and so forth. Let's be careful. I remember a story when uh, some famous drug dealer got saved. In Japan, when my dad was on the mission field, uh, this guy was going around to all the churches and testifying of his newfound faith. Came to our church, and my dad said, "Nah, no, I don't think so. You know, we're going to hold off for a couple of years and see how this works out. 
And sure enough, the guy wound up going back into his uh, his bad lifestyle. So, you know, I think before you fast track them into a position where they're supposed to be, you know, some kind of a a religious leader and bringing their testimony into the churches, it might be good to to hold off for a few years. So that was the sort of lesson I picked up from my father on the mission field some, you know, what, 45 years ago. Well, friends, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. All of this to say, check out the backstory of what Jesus is doing in history. And that's why we bring these emphases into our history books. American God's Providence has a number of some of the most interesting backstories of uh, the lieutenant colonel who led the attack on Pearl Harbor from Japan. One of the very first Grand Wizards of the Ku Klux Klan gets saved. Uh, We go through some of these really interesting backstories in our American history story, America in God's Providence. And that's available at our website, generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.